the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in. Welcome to Black and White with John Anthony. You know the voice. I don't need any introductions. You know who I am. I got a barn burner today. It's not like last week. I only got two guests this time. I had the studio packed and I brought these two gentlemen back because I don't think they got enough time to really talk and express what they wanted to say. Now, they're on opposite ends. Democrat. And Republican, they may differ on a few things, but they're going to agree on a few things as well. We're going to show you how to engage from both sides and maybe come to some common ground. So I want to introduce in the studio, my friend, my buddy, he never lets me down, Dennis Rebelletti. How's well, it going, I'm Dennis? Doing well. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. And I want to introduce my other buddy, my friend, Ricky, former state senator Ricky Hendon. And what I really want him to do is introduce himself and tell you his background and all his achievements. So, Ricky, why don't you tell the listeners something about your background? Well, Verlon, let me just say, first of all, I'm not going to agree with nothing that Dennis agree on. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's prepare for a, a raucous show today. You know what I mean? Uh-oh. Uh, I having us both on because, uh, you know, I had you on my show on the Progressive Talk, and I believe we should hear each other out. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um Shouldn't be so stuck in our ways so we won't listen to each other. And uh, I caught a lot of flack having Republicans on my show, you, Jim, and others. Uh, uh, Stephanie Trussell I've had, and the list goes on and on. But why shouldn't we listen to each other? Uh, I'm a former state senator, former Chicago City uh, Council alderman, a former Democratic Ward committeeman. But I consider myself an independent, independent thinker. I have supported Republicans and Democrats before. I was even with Ross Perot at one time when he was running for president at that time as an independent and, and dropped out. So I, I don't think we should be stuck on party labels, but I look forward to a robust discussion with both of you here today. I really, I really appreciate this. Now, I got in trouble last week because I forgot to do something. And when I see these two ladies, I know they're going to beat me up. But I want to say right after this show, and, and since I messed up, I'm going to give a double shout out. Right after this show, tune in to Belly of the Beast with Babette and Raquel, two intellectual ladies, fastest hour in radio, and you're going to get a kick out of it. And I will be saying at the end, of, I will remind you all at the end of the show. So I want to open up the phone lines, too, because I want the listeners to mix it up with these two gentlemen 
pro-con. I want you to get it off your chest. Uh, some people called in last week and didn't get a chance to uh, catch one guy leaving the studio or Ricky on the telephone because we had too many people talking. And everybody's long-winded. So I want to open up the phone lines. 312-642-5600. So this is how we're going to kick it off. We're going to talk about the mayor's race. All right? I know uh, Ricky supports Brandon Johnson. And I know Dennis supports Paul Vallis. Now, all I'm saying Why? Why? Why, Dennis? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, here, um, when the black community didn't support Brandon Johnson in the first election, I'm surprised that you picked up on Brandon. Uh, But I believe that the future of the city is imperative that it be fixed now. And trust me, I've heard all of the different arguments from intellectuals on the conservative side say, let the city let the city fall apart. Let it become Detroit. That's not where, where I'm at. But I don't understand how more progressive double-down politics is going to work, Ricky. So maybe you can enlighten me because I, I wish that you and I would have served in the same chamber because, you know, as a floor leader, uh, I, I'm sure I would, have been, I would have loved to have taken you on when you were in the chair in the Senate. And I know you guys are a little bit more above us House members, but I want to hear about the double-down politics because we saw four years of progressive politics in the city, and I want to hear why you think Brandon uh, does it better. Well, let me first say that, you know, your service in the House and my service in the Senate uh, were equal. You know, we both represented our people well. And I'm sure you know that one of my best friends in the Senate was Senate President Pate Phillips. Pate and I was perfect buddies. I mean, he called me happy or lucky or Hollywood every time he saw me. I got in trouble for walking over to the Republican side of the aisle. I did that on my first day in first day. Why, why do we have to be so divided, Democrat versus Republican, da 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 Now, when I walk back to the Democratic side, oh, yeah, I had some side-eye and some grumbling and mumbling and stuff. And I told them, I was like, look, y'all do what y'all want to do. I have came down here to get things done for the people of the West Side, and Tate Phillips is not no monster. No matter what you all think, he's not racist. No matter what you all think, he is my friend. Kate helped me take over the softball team, but uh, you know the Senate House games. I'm sure you know about those games. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> they, they, the Democrats had lost. I mean, the uh, Senate had lost 50 years in a row. They say Jesse White used to throw the ball, catch the ball, and hit it over the fence in one play. When I got there, we beat the House five years in a row, and, and I didn't do it by having just all Democrats on the softball team. That's the one day when we all know that we all. It was the House versus the Senate. And party labels meant absolutely nothing. Let me just tell you why I support. Uh, and let me, let me just clear up uh, something you said, because you're right. Many Republicans on this show were saying Chicago is going to be Detroit. Let Chicago be Detroit. If Brandon win, let, let, well, you know, they were burning Detroit down. The residents were burning Detroit down. I saw pictures of, of the other day on television of residents burning the city down. Do they, is that what Republicans want? Is that and that was said on your show very long last week? It'll be Detroit, burn it down. Come on, really? Well, I don't think they want to burn it down. I don't think they want to burn it down. I I just think they want people to feel the pain that the Democrats that they feel the Democrats is going to put upon the people with all the taxes and everything else, and they just want people to come to their senses and vote a Republican in. Verlon, Verlon. Well, we don't we don't know if Paul Vallis is a Republican or not. Right. He's 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 warm water. One day he's a Republican, the next day he's a Democrat. 
he, he changes colors. He changes positions. He, he, I've seen him out of his own mouth. Now, Dennis, say, I'm more of a Republican than a Democrat, yet he's run for office four times as a Democrat. Am I right? Right, but, but this is what Dennis wants. This is what Dennis I'm, wants you to get to. How do you think Brandon J- Johnson's policies are going to affect Chicago? Right, that's what I'm saying, Ricky. So you're talking about new taxes and tax the rich. And one of the things I I want you to talk about, Ricky, is this whole idea that we don't have enough investments in certain communities and and that we need to get to the root cause of of the crime. You've been in the city forever. You've seen it. You know it. You've worked on it. What's going to be different under uh, under a Brandon Johnson administration that already we haven't seen? That's what I want to know about. Here's what I want. Here's what I'd like for us to do today, if we can. I'd like for us to talk about Brandon and talk about Paul Ballard. I have no problem with that. Let's do the comparison. All right. And all I'm saying, the first comparison that I'm making is that at least Brandon Johnson is consistent. Paul Ballard says he's a Democrat one day. If he's in front of black people, then when he goes up to the north side or on the of the Republican part of the, of, of the city, he says he's a Republican. Can you trust a person like that? Can you trust a wishy-washy person? That's why I ask you, didn't he run as a Democrat four times, yet he's on on on, on different stations and different uh, shows saying, well, he's a Republican. I think that should be a concern of people as well. Now, on the tax issue, I don't not for any of these new taxes. Berlant knows that I'm a conservative Democrat when it comes to the taxes, and I've said to Brandon Johnson, Stop saying that. Don't 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 take that out of your platform. Defund the police. I'm for some reforms. I'm for getting more detectives out uh, out on the street because you cannot solve this crime. Speaking of that, with a five percent clearance rate, five percent clearance rate meaning ninety five percent of criminals are going free. So you have to have more detectives. But I cannot sit here and act as if. It's all on Brandon Johnson, and we should not discuss anything about Paul Ballard. Let's discuss them both. No, let's let's do that, Ricky. And at the same time, if Paul Vallis happens to be a more of a moderate Democrat, God forbid, because we don't have those anymore. The fact that you could even you said the word conservative at the same time as Democrat, those no, I don't know if those folks exist anymore. They may exist, but not in elected I, life now, right? I, I pro gun owners' rights. So that, that's conservative position, correct? That is. I'm not saying about okay. me and you. We're, we're, not, uh, uh, we're not at that state level or the, we're not the mayor of the city, but where are those moderate Democrats? Where are those moderate Republicans? Well, let, well, Ricky, Ricky, hold on to that thought because we're coming up to a break. We only got about 24, 25 seconds. But I want to say this about Paul Vallis. He sees the landscape and he don't want to come off too hard, so he has to let a few things linger so he can try to squeak by and become mayor. So hold on to that thought. We'll be right back with more Black and Right. And now, more Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. I'm the troublemaker about to start some trouble. Uh, Ricky, hold on to that thought. 
Keep that thought. I want to bring these callers in so we'll have more time to talk on this segment. It's a long segment anyway. So I want to go to our friend, Progressive Jim. He call, He used to call your show all the time. Go ahead, Jim. Hi, gentlemen. How are you this afternoon? All right. Fake, uh, fake news, fake news, fake news. What is fake news? I know I read news. I read five newspapers a day when I used to work. You know, on my commute. And I can realize what was Republican uh, slanted uh, newspapers like Wall Street Journal, and uh, apparently the only ones that think they have money. But what is fake news? Do you guys have any ideas? Uh, you're, you're, uh, Trump throws it around like it was uh, gospel. I mean, what is fake news? I thought fake news was just somebody basically twisting the truth. That's what I thought uh, fake news is. You know, it's called the spin. O'Reilly used to say it all the time. Somebody would take a fact and they'll spin it into something isn't else and create their isn't own truth. Isn't O'Reilly in deadly trouble for molesting women on that program? If anybody has fake news, it's, it's that insane station, uh, Fox News. <laughs> That's the fakest news I've ever heard in my life. Oh, well, I don't know. I, I, I can say the same, I can say the same thing about MSNBC and CNN of late. So, you know, all of them have their own uh, wait a minute. Hey, Wait a minute. For a minute. Do you think they actually get together, these people are earning a salary, and say, let's put out all these Democratic talking points? I mean, that's ridiculous. I the, don't only say that does that, the only station that does that is Fox News because they're owned by Rupert no, Murdoch. No, Rupert no, Murdoch is, is, no, that's is, not yeah, true. That's, that's not true, anyway, Jim. So, Anyway, yo, it is true. You know it's true. But anyway, you guys have a good weekend. Thank you. You, you too, too, Jim. I want I want to go to I want to go to the next caller, Mitchell. What's up, Mitchell? Guys, um, to this page, uh, to the Sagittarius Senator. Uh, I hope you're doing well, and to Berlan and your guests. You know, uh, to Sagittarius Senator, uh, years ago when you uh, had Berlan on your show, and you know, obviously you would have a disagreement. You always go Berlan, and I love that. You know, because you have a lot of passion. But one thing that we do have in common is I've always pegged you as an independent because you knew how to play both sides. You saw firsthand with your own tacit knowledge how deals were made. And when you had your show on CPT, you weren't trying to manufacture consent. You actually told the truth. So I respect you for that. And I'll tell you this right now. When COVID hit, I told you to the Sagittarius Center, I said the following. I said, this is biowarfare, and this is nothing more than a pandemic. And it didn't come from the wetlands in China. And you said you're absolutely correct. And three years later, the NIH agrees that the gain of function was basically funded by over $600,000. Pfizer Labs put in, uh, obviously, testing labs in uh, Wuhan since 2009. And you have what I call now the unintended consequences of a bio warfare, because in 2020, there was, I call, a, a really deep reason for basically putting this out to the world. OK, and look what happened. You got WCPT right now. It's all they do is manufacture consent. You know what is fake news? They got it wrong on COVID. They got it wrong on Trump basically in Russia collusion. <laughs> They got it wrong, Ricky, when they said that Russia uh, was putting out bounty hunters on American soldiers in Afghanistan. Okay, ho- hold on, Mitchell. Uh, uh, Ricky wants to respond to you. Go ahead, Ricky. Mitchell is correct. He, when he came on my show and talked about COVID, and I had you there, too. And I was not a jump, hurry up and go get vaccinated and believe everything the government says. I wasn't one of those, Okay. Um, so I didn't do fake news. I said what I thought. And I, I eventually 
got one shot. I never got the four and five, the boosters and all this and all that. But I did eventually get one shot after quite some time. So, yeah, Mitchell, you do have some points. But what I'm saying is we have to examine all news, whether it's from a MSNBC or you say or a 560 or a CPT. We can't just take anything that any politician says, like a Paul Ballard, who I think lies a lot, or any media outlet. Fox is under a lot of scrutiny right now because they did do some things wrong and they should be held accountable for that. I want to push back on something, though, Ricky. I got to push back. When you keep, when you keep saying that Paul Vallis lies a lot, I'm not going to say that he lies a lot. I'm, I'm like I said, I think that he's just treading the middle of the fence, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to fall on either side. But 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 Mitchell, okay, well, yeah. but but Mitchell right mentioned. But Rick, hold on one second. This is something that I'm, I'm glad Mitchell mentioned because I've been wanting to ask you this for a very very long time for years. This is now that leads America and leads Chicago and leads Illinois down a certain uh, 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 negative place because the politician didn't tell the truth. Okay, well, 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 I'm going to get. I'm, I'm going to get. I'm going to ask you the question as far as what all he lied about. I know you keep talking about he said he was a Republican and all that. That's great, but I have to ask you something because this goes back four years to when you had me on your show. And, and all you wanted to talk about was Trump most of the time. Do you finally admit after four years that Ru- Russian collusion was a hoax? You never heard me challenge Bernie Sanders on my show. I did it all the time. I, I, did, I did Bernie Sanders so much, my son, Lil Ricky, wanted to beat me up in L.A. In my, when we went out there for Sky's graduation over Bernie Sanders. So I don't pick and choose Democrat or Republican. If I disagree with somebody or I think somebody is telling telling them, let's don't call it a lie. So I won't say Vallis is a liar. But you say he should be allowed to hedge the truth and push the truth. And a lot of leaders do that. I'm sure Dennis had that experience in Springfield, and I had it as well in Springfield. The president used to call me down before the executive uh, committee uh, would meet the leaders and, and Dennis know what I'm talking about and say, Hey, we're going to tell the rest of them this and tell the rest I, of them that before Rick, they one, but eight of them. Let me finish. It was told to tell the other 29 a half truth. It was still a lie. I, I understand. I understand all that. But what I'm talking about, I, I switched the subject. Maybe you was talking while I was asking you the question. It goes back four years, me and you on your show. When you, you swore up and down that, Trump was involved in Russian collusion. Four years later, do you admit that Russian collusion was a hoax? Russian collusion. I believe Russia is involved as much as they can. Oh, and I on. said this all You reminded me of something. I believe Russia is involved in the American economy every single day. They're trying to bring us down every single day. And I believe the relationship that, that Trump and Putin had was based on not just was good for America, but good for those two individuals. Right, That's Mitchell. what I believe. Go ahead, Mitchell. Okay, first of all, 
the fact is you had the, the committee, all right? You had the Mueller report. And before the Mueller report, you realized that the attorney general, the, what I call the attorney general, said that not one vote, not one vote was basically cast by Russia collusion in the 2016 election. Also, Ricky, you said, okay, I'm quoting your own words, that you were going to have a lawsuit because Willie Wilson was going to go after Bernie Sanders. And guess what happened with that lawsuit? It went absolutely nowhere. Okay, because why the DNC destroyed Bernie, okay, you're telling me that there was much collusion when we've been proven that it hasn't been? You can't be stupid. Democrat Party. He went after he went after the DNC. He filed a lawsuit. And you are correct, that lawsuit was uh eventually settled. That was not against Bernie Sanders, it was against the DNC. I don't I don't know how that has any uh bearing on what we're discussing right now. I said I don't trust hardly any politicians, and I'm going to stick with that. All right. Well, thank you for the call, Mitchell. Um, we're going to get back to the mayor's race. we got about a minute. Ricky, is anything uh, – what what lies – Wait, I want to ask, oh, Ricky, okay, go ahead. what about this defund the police movement? I know what you think about it, Ricky, but you saw Brandon on WCPT talk about defunding the police is not an idea – it's going to be a policy, something that needs to happen. And the Democratic Party overplayed that, and now he's going to have to atone for it. But in the last few debates, he's saying that he has look, he's looking at that different now. So that's why I kind of agree with Berlin. Politicians always, you did it and I did it, did it Dennis. Right. Listen to our constituents change our mind. So, he, yes, he said defund the police before, but he's not said that in the last three debates. Well, then you would, I don't know if you would consider that a lie or it's not a lie because uh, Paul Val is saying he feels more like a Republican at a certain time is when your party abandons what your general consensus is. Sometimes you feel you don't like you don't belong to the party because they've moved along and you're not with them. Okay, Ricky, hold on to your thought. You hear the music. We coming up to a break. We'll be back with more Black and Right. We now return to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. Here's John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and White with John Anthony. I'm filling in right now for about an hour, hour 20 minutes. I'm the troublemaker. I want to get right back to it. I just got a question for you, Ricky. What what else has Paul Vallis said that you would consider to be lies other than him being a closet Republican? Well, the one one of the things is that he lives in the city of Chicago. Everybody knows he does not. Uh, his wife, quote, according to him, owns the house in the south in the suburbs, but he doesn't live there with his wife. Well, if you're not divorced, you probably live with your wife. So I think that is a lie right there. Um, Ricky, that was that been- was that challenged? Did anybody file any uh, lawsuits against that? Any petitions with Chicago Board of Election? Well, I don't believe no one filed against anything that uh, Paul Vallis's petitions at all. No, but I'm saying so, is if, I mean, if there was a thought that he wasn't a resident, I mean, Rahm Emanuel but, is a resident. The guy uh, lived in Washington, D.C. 
just be, listen, I, I challenge Rahm on that as well. <laughs> I think the mayor of the city of Chicago should live in the city of Chicago. I just believe that. And if it's a lie, it's a lie. If it's not a lie, it's not a lie. If it's the truth. One thing about facts, you know, you can, you, emotions can, can, facts, emotions can't change facts. You know, but facts should be able to change emotions. So I'm just saying that there are a number of things. That's one of them um, that 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 I've heard also heard Paul Vallis say. And I don't want to just dominate about Paul Vallis. I'd rather talk about Brandon Johnson, what I like. But since you asked it, the his his position on choice, a woman's choice uh, about what happens to her own body. I saw the video where he is saying pretty much he's he's against choice because of his religion. Well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to tell a woman because I believe in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that she, I'm going to control what she does with her body and can and cannot do with her body. Now Paul Vallis is saying, oh, I was for pro-choice before Joe Biden. He has a commercial saying that. Well, so you and I both know that the mayor of Chicago has almost nothing to do with abortion. That's that's a red herring, and everybody will trip over themselves to talk about abortion because it's easier to talk about abortion than to talk about real issues that are impacting the city and the region. All right, then let's talk about one of those, okay? And and I didn't say that uh, abortion is a, a, a question that's going to come before city council. Remember, I sat in city council. I was alderman. I didn't right. say that. Verlon asked me, Verlon asked me, what I felt that he had not been truthful about, and that's why I brought that up. That's fair, Ricky. That's fair. The council. All right, so it's just a lot of different things, but on the the, the city finances, I looked at Paul Vallis' website about the city budget and city finances. Dennis, it's three sentences. Three sentences. So that's like, why is it just three sentences when it comes to taxes and all that does he have a, a plan to raise taxes he doesn't want to talk about you know i've always my whole political career dennis and you and berlin you know this i'll take the hit but i'm gonna tell the truth let the chips fall where they may but tell the truth that's why i always won my price my white precincts and when i was senator every freaking one of them i think one time i might have lost five well, precincts that were Republican and conservative and mostly of uh, uh, white residents. They believed in me because I told them the truth every time and, and let it do what it do. I, well, that's I, one of that's one that's one of the reasons why I think Brandon Johnson's going to win, because he laid it all out in the beginning for everybody to see. And, uh, hey, he's right there neck and neck with Paul Vallis within two points. But let me bring on this other caller, because. I think he has something to say to you. Jim from South Elgin. Hey, guys. The gang's all here. It was a good time last week, and uh, it was good you had those people on. Oh, there was a little, little fireworks at the beginning, but I think it was good to have the conversation. And then at the end, of course, when we helped Stephanie with her, her flat tire, it took three of us, <laughs> toxic males, to change the tire because it was freezing cold with that wind blowing. And <laughs> yes, it was. It was me, a me, you, and Dennis. Right, and the way they make those jacks now aren't how they used to be back Horrible. in the day. So. That was terrible. But anyways, Ricky, uh, my friend, you remember when I was in the studio with you one time, I played uh, Biden's uh, talk when he was in Ukraine saying how he was going to be leaving in six six hours if they didn't get rid of that special prosecutor, there was going to be gone. And it's been played now many times after that. 
but we played that a lot, and and yet, you know, sometimes you just kind of didn't want to recognize the problems that was going on with with Biden, because you had this little thing about Trump. But see, the problem with Trump, in my opinion, he fulfilled all his campaign pledges. You know, he was really the good, the greatest president we had. And because of fake news, because of all the stuff about lying about him, like the rush of the yeah. Trump hiring prostitutes yeah. to be in the bed and stuff like yeah. this, this is why yeah. people form these yeah. opinions. Yeah, let me say this. First of all, the Donald Trump said if he was elected president, he would stop crime in Chicago in five days. Do you remember when he said that? Well, he offered to send yes, the, tr- the, the troops in, and what did they do? During the summer of love, well, hold on. During the summer of love, Trump offered. Well, Ricky, hold. You have me a question. Let me answer. Trump offered all of these people, all these Democrats that allowed their cities to burn, to send in the troops, and they they didn't do it. Okay, let let Ricky respond. Let Ricky respond. I will will answer all of your callers' questions directly without playing them grains like Jim is doing. I asked him a direct question. And he doesn't want to answer it. Well, go ahead and go so ahead. I will answer. Go ahead and answer. Well, I will, and then I will, and I will pivot back to 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 Ukraine. All right. I said, you had Jim just said that Trump kept every one of his campaign promises. Hell, Dennis never kept all of his campaign promises. Nor did Ricky Hendon. Let's be real. No politicians oh. ever kept all his campaign promises. They may do the best they can or could. Trump said, if he was elected president of the United States. Who would stop the crime in Chicago in five days? He was elected president. He had four years to do it. He did not stop the crime in Chicago. Ukraine is a mess. It's a mess for the Democrats and the Republicans. Whoever the president of the United States is has to deal with a situation in a foreign country. I don't believe we should be sending American troops all over the world to, to die for these foreign countries. Okay, it's time anyway. to go. It's time to go to break. I only got 10 seconds. Hold on to that thought, Ricky. We'll be right back with more Black and Right. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM 560. The answer. Maybe I'm foolish. Maybe I'm blind. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony. Let's get right back to it. Ricky, finish your thought with Jim. Well, I was just saying that, that one thing I would like for us to do today, and one thing I always try to do on my show, I still sit in periodically. You were on with me before on a CPT, is answer the question. Dennis, you can ask me anything on my mama. I'm going to give you a straight-up answer, not a bunch of dancing around and throwing in another a curveball. I pitch in softball. I got a curveball. I'm going to throw it straight down the middle, and I'm, I'm welcome to take any of your callers' um, questions or concerns or you and Dennis's and be straight-up honest. I think that's what we should do. I don't want people to vote for Brandon Johnson because he's black, but I don't want them to not vote for Brandon Johnson because he's black. He's very intellectual, and he is smart enough to say, hey, I changed my mind on that, and I think that's a good thing. And I talked to him about some of those things, Dennis, that he is now saying, uh, talk, you know, like he has seen a different light. And I think that that's, a politician should do that, not just be stuck in their ways no matter what their constituency says, but be flexible enough to, to challenge and pivot. And I've seen Brandon Johnson do that. Well, so don't vote for Paul Valley White. Or because he's supposed to be a Republican, we don't know. 
whether he's a Republican or a Democrat, and don't vote against him because he's white. And don't do the, don't do it to Brandon Johnson either. Look at both of the men and their platforms and make an intelligent decision. That's all I'm saying. Well, tell 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 us what Brandon Johnson's for, so people can make up their minds. Since since you you're right, kind of close see. to the campaign. Well, I'm gonna tell you what I like about because I was with Willie Wilson. Everybody know that I'm Willie's guy. There are people trying to get Willie to not like me now because I didn't follow him with Paul Ballas, but that's not going to happen. I love the man, going to always love the man. And I understand what his issues were, and I have some of those same issues. I brought him up to Brandon. I attacked Brandon uh, uh, on those issues in the primary. The one thing I like about him about when it comes to policing is that, because I truly believe this, guys, you, you should, there are calls that, that an officer should not have to take by himself. There are some mental health issues out here, lots of them. And sometimes a mental health professional should go on some of those calls, especially a domestic. And that is what Brandon has said. He's also said that you cannot just police your way out of this situation. We have to give these kids some opportunity, some hope again. People lost hope and all that during COVID. It got worse. These, these children are wilding out. But they still are babies. If you got a 13 or 14 year old out there carjacking, yeah, it's an adult behind him. Grab the adult. Grab the people that where they're taking the cars and getting and stripping the cars and stealing the cars for parts and the entire car and shipping them overseas. What, when is the last time you heard of a uh, one of those places being uh, busted? Not, you know in a, not in a long, not in a long time. But Jim, do you have any response to Ricky? Well, basically, I initially was calling about the uh, the 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 uh, comments that that uh, Biden made to uh, you know. Press, uh, fire the press, the prosecutor for his son. But additionally, I just sent you guys a, uh, a okay, there was a YouTube video of a carjacker that got a 22-year sentence because he was Will County. And they said if this was in Cook County, this wouldn't have occurred. So while it's only 5% of the clearance rate for Chicago detectives, the problem is uh, they're not being prosecuted. That's why a lot of people do crimes in Chicago, because they know a lawyer uh, uh, yeah, they're not going to get prosecuted by by Kim yeah. Fox. You don't really believe that, right? Let me. Well, say I sent you, you Ricky. I sent you. It was a Channel Two Thirty Two News clip. Yeah. You and me have been in, at, at, at restaurants together and bars together. We can drink a beer, have a shot, uh, talk about women. Why we can't have this conversation as as, as easily as we have those male? Well, we, we are, but I'm just saying. I just sent. I just sent you guys this afternoon a, a link to a video. <laughs> Where it was a report of a guy got sentenced 22 years for carjacking, but well, hold, let me finish. It, all it, it occurred in Will County, and the comment was from the prosecutor or the DA in Will County. Had this occurred in Cook County, the guy would be free today. So please watch and it. That's not me. It's simply a report. I have a problem with that. I have a serious problem with that. And let me just be very clear. When I was growing up uh, in the hood. I knew who my police beat officer was. I had a, 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 a friendship, in fact, with that was called it officer friendly, and it worked. And 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 I could trust him, and he could trust me. When I was senator, when I was alderman, I had commanders who were not black that I was tighter with than some of my black commanders because it's about the relationship. Okay. So yeah, I. All right, that's that's the music. That's the music right there. But got ten seconds. That's exactly what Paul Vallis is talking about: community policing. 
We'll be back with more Dennis Wright. I mean, black and right, Dennis, you'll be leading off the conversation. Let's get it to him, baby girl. Hey, hey. Black and right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right with John Anthony, not Dennis is right. Now, uh, Dennis is going to lead off this conversation since he was a former prosecutor and he knows a lot about what you were talking about, Ricky, as far as the carjacking and what should be done when it comes to a lot of this crime out here. So, Dennis, I want you to lead off this conversation. So I was a prosecutor in Will County for eight years, and I have addressed many of these issues and dealt with um, uh, small crimes, large crimes, violent crimes, sexual crimes, you name it. Uh, in eight years, I pretty much saw it all. But the, the fact of the matter is that you, it, when people pretend you can decarcerate out of it, and, and Ricky, I don't believe any social worker should ever go to a, a crime in progress. Um, here's what the defendant said in the Will County carjacking case. Um, he said he'd be out by the weekend because he thought he was in Cook County. He was He's currently on bond facing two counts of aggravated kidnapping with intent to inflict harm, four counts of aggravated criminal sexual assault, two counts of aggravated robbery with a firearm, an aggravated battery in a public place that happened in 2021. He has outstanding warrants in um, Lake County, Indiana, on theft. He's got additional traffic cases, fleeing and eluding, reckless driving, disorderly conduct, retail theft, criminal damage to property. Why is this individual on the streets? And, Ricky, you and I can go back and forth, and, and, and there's always merit to diversion programs and getting people that can, that with some help and guidance can get out of the system. But there are bad people, and this person is not somebody who is likely to be rehabilitated. And when he was on bond, he went out and carjacked people, put guns in their face, went off on a 120-mile-an-hour chase down 55. They had to use the, um, uh, the spikes on I-55 to stop him. He got out and ran. He punched the canine and, and continued to, to fight with the officers. And he told the officers he'd be right out. So when Chicago turns a blind eye to not allowing Chicago See, police to chase anybody, and, 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 and then, and look, you and I know that the, the gangbangers know anytime there's a policy change, they change with the operation. So Will County didn't tolerate that while I was there. I know they don't tolerate it now. DuPage County doesn't tolerate it. Most of the collar counties aren't tolerating it, but this type of behavior, we should all be able to agree, he should not be out on bail. All right, Ricky, your response. And I agree. And Dennis, you said uh, Indiana, Lake County, Cook County, this man was just raising hell everywhere. So he wasn't just, just in Chicago. Yeah, he should be locked up. Yes, he should. And I am on public record saying that I disagree with Mayor Lori Lightfoot's no-chase policy because you're absolutely right, Dennis. If the criminals know that if they make it to the car, uh, that they're going to get away because the police are not going to chase them, that policy doesn't make any sense to me, Dennis. So all Democrats don't think the same way. All black people don't think the same way. And I'm against these stereotypes, not that you were trying to do that, but you, you could almost take the crimes of that man 
and put them on a whole bunch of these kids who not out there trying to do crazy stuff and not out there trying to trying to uh, carjack and nobody who just want to make it to school safely back and forth. Ricky, I'm all, I'm all for all that stuff. And when I was on the House floor and had to be told by black caucus members and Latino caucus members that I simply was a white prosecutor who was racist and only chose to indict and charge people who were of color, it always, it always frustrated the hell out of me because I went to work every day. You you followed the evidence. You wanted to. You, you, my job was to to do justice out for the people of the state of Illinois and in that county. But it's, you know, it's always easy to do is to paint somebody. Just like people, black kids in the city shouldn't be painted one way. White prosecutors shouldn't be painted the same in one broad brush. So then people would say, "Well, you are paying attention. Uh, let's try to work together." So I see we're we're coming up to a hard break right. here. Five seconds. We'll be back with more black and white. Top of the hour next. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed. And the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in Welcome back. Like Hour the two of Black and Right Radio on AM560 The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio. I just did broke all type of laws to get here. How dare you? <laughs> I just left the uh, Black Conservative um, Summit put on by Dr. Eric Wallace. I did a panel um, with Chad o. Jackson from um, Uncle Tom 2. Cecilia Johnson, she's with the um, Black Engagement Outreach for um, the RNC, and Devin Jones from Southside Republicans. It was a it was a pretty good event, and uh, Larry Elder and um, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West spoke. Um, it was a really, 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 really informative event, and I, I and I know um, um, my boy Hollywood Hinton Hinton is still on the line. <laughs> What's going on, brother? Oh yeah, I'm here. Uh, I just wanted to say just a couple things. One, um, when 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 there there are some kids we can save, some children we can save. There's some that we can't. That's just life. So let's let's work to try to help the ones we can, um, and the ones who can't, well, they get what they have coming to them. Well, no matter what race, creed, or color you are, you should not make people's lives miserable. I still live on the west side. I could have been left the west side. I'm a Ride or die on the west side. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So I'm not going to run away from my people. I'm going to continue to try to fix things and change things. And, and, and that is what we should do as humans for everybody. Two years ago, I was so sick. Then I was in five hospitals in four days. I didn't care if a Republican prayed for me or if it was a Democrat who prayed for me. I was just telling people, pray for me. You know, and I checked myself out against the hospital experts advice. Last year, I was most valuable player three times on the softball field and the average age on my team I play with, Wolfpack, is 21. So we can change things. We can do things a little different than what government tells us to do or the healthcare professionals tell us to do or activists like you and me. 
would tell us to do and get to the result where we're trying to go, and that's a better for Chicago for everybody. All right, well, thank you so much. Ricky, we, we're getting ready to shift the show. I got a couple of callers. Call, I mean, I have a guest that's getting ready to call in. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Black and Right. You got to come in studio, though, Ricky. All right, we'll do that. All right, let's, let's make it a plan to come right. into, the, into the studio. Thank you so much. Uh, you guys sound like you guys were having fun, though. Yeah, we was mixing it up. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't think your mic is on, sir. <laughs> You're on the wrong microphone. Oh, That's I, okay, yeah, I can hear. I can hear myself in this one. I'm at to sit a little closer to Dennis. Uh-huh. Yeah, but we was mixing it up. But you know, you know what's on everybody's mind is Trump, because uh, we had like two, two or three callers that called in earlier, and they they mainly wanted to talk about Trump. I was trying to keep it on the on the mayor's race, but you know, people people. Are infatuated with Trump, especially with the sex scandal and everything that's going on with Trump, and you know our rights being violated. So I don't know what what uh, direction you were going to take the show, but I had a question to ask you: Who brought the house down, Larry Elder or Colonel Allen West? Uh, it was equally they uh, equally they brought the house down. Uh, Larry Larry was more personal. He talked about his, the story of his father, you know, and he told he talked about the, the story of his father and how you know he, he and his father hadn't talked in like ten years. And because he wrote a book about this same thing right. too, um, dear father, dear son, um, dear father, yeah, dear son, dear father, and uh, I th- I thought he he had a more personable um, aspect of, of of what he was talking about and and why he's so hard on saying the reason why uh, one of the reasons why uh, what ails the black community is fatherlessness, and he understands that because of his issues with his father, but it wasn't until he had a conversation with his father. And, and realize why his father was the way he was. You know, his father, he, he talked about how his father, he, like the name Elder, mm-hmm. that's not his real father's name. He was given up. It, uh, Larry Elder's father was given up. So he was taken in. He was kicked out of, kicked out of his home at 13 years old, his, Larry Elder's father. I mean, it was very, it was a very good, 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 personable story uh, that was very inspirational, too. So I, I think um, from that perspective, I think Larry Elder probably had the better, you know, articulation of his story. But uh, um, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, uh, he 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 held no he held nothing back. What, what did he talk? About? He and he he also talked about fathers, but he also talked about Spartans and how they raised Spartans and how uh, he said he believes what else the black communities are the black women. He said the mo- he said when you understand how Spartans um, the women gave up their kids and he said when it, at, at twenty years old it was the mother that presented the shield to the Spartan and and and, and then he said that, that they would say something I don't recall what it, what actually the wording was but the mother would say something to the kid, to the son and it would and the son would just flourish from from whatever the mother said I we can look it up during the break but um, that was it was a very it was just just really good storytelling now did you use the word Ailed? What ails? So you got to explain that. What do you mean? By well, what ails? troubles? What 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 what's the cause of concern? What troubles? Uh, a something. What that means? Like when somebody's sick. What ails you? You know. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, prosecutor, I heard you going off too. Well, you know, I, I did a little bit. Um, I, I it's always frustrating when people are stereotyped. But I, I will uh, address what Ricky had said a little bit earlier. You know, I've heard that the General Assembly is not like it used to be, and we've talked about this before, John. We have. People could cross the aisle. People could have dinner with somebody, and they could work on things, and you could respect where Ricky's district was, try to understand him, meet him. 
Uh, I remember Lee Daniels, my mentor, former speaker and leader, saying, make sure to go see Art Turner Sr. He's one of the, one of the most important people you need to meet on the other side of the aisle. And in the General Assembly, a man with institutional knowledge and wisdom. Go, Don't go hang out with Republicans only. Go meet Democrats. Go learn their districts. And that's what no, now we have extremes on both sides. Yeah. They don't want to talk to each other. No. They just would rather vote no or vote yes and say, yeah, that's too conser- That's not conservative enough. That's too progressive. Or there's no moderate people. So right. people aren't weighing the issue. It's one thing or the other. And I don't think things uh, should be that way. No, I agree. And I had to push back a little bit as far as uh, him saying Paul Vallis is lying is a, or a liar. I'm not for either candidate. I'm just giving my opinion on who I think is going to win. I want Paul win. to win. I know you. I know. Yeah. You, I say. I told people that you're for Paul. Yeah, I want Paul to win. I'm not for either. I just know what the demographics are and who I think will win. But I want it to be fair, and I don't want you know people to think that Paul is lying yeah, about anything. Because because Ricky talked about Paul. You know, we played. I'm not going to play the game. We played it where when Paul was talking about his 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 abortion beliefs. Right. You know, Paul basically said, "I am. Pro, I'm personally." Right. Um, I think he was saying I'm personally pro-choice or pro, pro-life or something like that. And then he said something to the fact that, right. you know, I'm not going to stop a woman from the ability to choose. And I love how you came back then and say, wait, wait, come on. Hold on. Why go after abortion when there's nothing the city hall can do about abortion? Right. There's absolutely nothing that they can do about it. Right. That's true. That's right. And I didn't have a chance to ask Ricky. I want like to know what Brandon's position is on all the asylees that are coming into the city. And the black communities are pushing back saying, this high school has been closed for years. We've asked you to reopen it to educate children. But now you're going to you're going to house these asylees that have been brought here from the border. Uh, What is Brandon going to do about that? What's Paul Valls going to do about it? You know, you have President Biden's in Canada right now talking about moving some of those migrants into Canada. Right. So these are real issues. He's going to stay there, too. Well, (laughs) (laughs) please do. But yeah, I think those are, you know, when you're talking about a city council, you're talking about a city mayor's race, you want to get down to the local nitty gritty. And nobody wants to hear about the budget. The budgets are boring and budgets are ideas. And the city council is going to suggest a budget and, and he will. And Paul will do that. And I'm sure Brandon will. It's just a matter of who do you trust more? Who do you value more? Who do you who do you see as being able to turn the city around? And if we if we all believe the city of Chicago does have a problem. And I think all of us are for a better city of Chicago. I don't think anybody's sitting here or listening. I don't want the city of Chicago to fail. I don't want it to burn down literally or figuratively. I'd like to see it thrive like it used to be when we used to all go visit the city of Chicago. And and that's when I pushed back again and I said, no, I don't think they mean burn it down. They just want people to feel maximum pain, like Dan Prof says all the time. They want people to wake up to the taxes and how they're taking advantage of people as far as just it's oppression. Taxes is oppression. And Brandon Johnson, he, he ran off about how many different taxes that he was going to tax about seven of them. And that's just going to take from the, from the makers and try to give to the takers, but you're not, you're doing nothing but a juggling act. Well, the it's city, just a juggling act. the city We're, still needs those people to come back in from the suburbs and all that office space that's vacant. What are you going to do to bring people back to Chicago and see it, like it used to be prior to the the, the pandemic. Exactly. So you need to get that city moving and working again. It's a city that works, right? Exactly. Um, I think um, my my next guest in, in, in the next segment, uh, Robert Cherry, he wrote a book called The State of the Black Family. He's white. Uh-oh. Oh, let's mix it up. Oh, you can't do that. Let's mix it up. Uh-uh. You listen to the Black and White right on AM560 Answer. We'll be right back.
Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right Radio on AM560, The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio with the troublemaker... You see your T-shirt, brother? That's right. Oh, Jumping yeah. In the room, when baby. do I get it? Uh, we'll see. All right. And the prosecutor, Dennis Revelletti. Uh, as I said, you know, I just left the Black Conservative um, Summit. And a lot of the things that we talked about was, was basically the state of black America. And, and, and the, the, the tagline was how we can fix um, black America, black strike, strick, stricken out. We're basically saying how we can fix America mm-hmm. uh, through the black race. Um, and I had a friend on, on Facebook reach out to me and say, Hey, I got somebody I want you to bring on. Uh, he's an author. He's an economist. Uh, his name is Robert Cherry. He wrote the book, the state of the black family, 60 years of tragedies and failures and new initiatives offering hope. Uh, Robert Cherry, welcome to black and right. How are you, sir? Great. And thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. You know, uh, I, I before the break, I, I teased it that you were coming on and I said, and uh, he, I, I said the name of your book and I said, Oh, and guess what? He's white. <laughs> what? I mean, it kind of reminds me of Daniel Moynihan, Pat, uh, Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan and his, his report on black America back in the 1960s. Um, what led you to write this book on the state of black, uh, of the black family? And why is it, in, why, why is, is, is having this discussion now important? Well, I've been researching for, 40-odd years, issues around discrimination. And I wrote this book because I'm really angered at how liberals have given up on the lower third of the black community, the poorest, uh, less educated section of the black community, uh, they they talk about reparations. They talk about uh, you know a whole bunch of things. Uh, more black business ownership, more boards of directors. But they do. They have given up on how do you change the trajectory of ten year old black kids who currently the majority cannot read cannot do math at grade level. How are you going to turn around the gun culture that victimizes so many? And it's not the people who simply who get shot. It creates traumas for, for young kids who hear gunshots in their neighborhood, fear it, and then it creates a certain kind of male posture because of all this violence. You can't seem weak. And that kind of posture leads to more fights, more trouble in schools. So you you have all of this going on, and liberals have nothing to say about it, nothing at all, except maybe lower standards in schools, uh, get rid of suspensions. Uh, they have no solutions, and that's what this book is all about, giving some what may look like incremental policies, but policies that can change how things are moving, the trajectory in these communities. Sir, um, I, this is Verlon Galloway. I agree with everything you said. You were right about everything you said, except for one thing. 
liberals giving up on lower class blacks. Now, that's not true because they need lower class blacks. That's their base. I believe it's a control method because if they can keep you right here at bay and promise you give meets, which they do through welfare. Trust me, a lot of my family grew up on it. They depend on it. And as long as they can give you what you need to sustain life, those people will be dependent upon you. They will vote for you. They will keep you in power. So, no, no, they don't. They didn't give up on lower class blacks. They want to control lower class blacks. Well, they gave up on solutions to, that would enable black agency to enable more black Americans to have a path towards a stable middle class. That's what they've given up on. Uh, you're right that what they offer is free stuff, free money, with no work incentives, no incentives to go to school. We'll just give you the money and you can, you can wallow in your victimization ideology. And uh, it's, it's just disgusting. Uh, Mr. Cherry, my name is Dennis Rebeletti, and I've been a member of the Illinois General Assembly, and I was a prosecutor for a long time. And one of the things I've talked about on this show is uh, generational uh, gang membership, where I have prosecuted a grandfather, a father, and then ultimately the grandchild. So can you talk about how the criminal justice policies or investment in social policies have not helped uh, in stemming some of that uh, that generational uh, where the, the gang provides family and structure where uh, schools and park districts and other things could do that? Well, I think it, it certainly there should be greater enforcement of the law. But for me, it's, you know, there's a certain core that you're describing. But many more young black men fall into this trap because they are not put on a path to success. For many of them, they're 17 and 18, they have limited skills, and they need what are called stackable certificate programs that get them on the path. But instead, they're told, oh, everyone should go to college. And they go to college, they fail out, and they're on the street. You have too many young black men who are neither working nor in school, 16 to 20, 24. There's about one out of every five young black men are in that category, what's called disconnected youth. And I'm, I'm, much, I'm just as concerned about those kids who don't necessarily come from this gang situation, family embedded, who get who get trapped in this situation of disconnectedness and they're on the street and nothing good can happen to people who are on the street. They hook up with the people you're describing. So, you know, there, there, there are two parts to it. One is what are you going to do about that core who are criminally inclined from uh, an early age and how are you going to give them tough love. Uh, there's a guy, Thomas Apt, who talks about focused deterrence, where they say, okay, we know who you are. If you don't turn your life around, the next time we're going to throw the book at you. And that's getting to be a little difficult with some of the DAs 
who, unless you, you know, are affecting someone's life, you get it as a misdemeanor and you're back on the street. So, I mean, that's a problem. Uh, but, again, I'm much more concerned about these youth who could have been saved through better educational program, better vocational training, and are not given that because of this four-year college for all. And so my book has a lot of ways to try to keep a limited number of people falling into what you've described. Well, sir, uh, I have a different perspective. I understand everything you just said, not a gang culture family, but people that, that could be saved. Okay, what do you do about a, a youth that their family was addicted to drugs, the mother and father, and basically they grew up in a crack house, and they barely have, they don't even have food to eat. And they have, they get turned out on the street, hook up with gangs or whatever to try to make a life for themselves. You know, uh, what do you do about those people? How do you save them? Well, that's that's what this focused deterrent approach of Thomas Aft says. We know who those people are. Uh, you know, police has have lists. Sometimes the problem is some people on the list shouldn't be on it, but they have a list of people who are most at risk in these neighborhoods. And you meet with them, and you and you give them a choice. We're going to give you services. And, I, and again, a lot of these services are not going to make them into plumbers or carpenters. They have weak skills, and they're going to have to start out at a lower level with these yeah, certificate program. Hey, Robert, but Robert, Robert, we got about yeah. thirty seconds. I want you, I want you to be able to plug the book. Where can people go and find the book and they pick the can purchase? Find this book on Amazon, and the ebook is ten dollars. Just Amazon. Amazon is the only place you can find it. Yes, it, it's on Amazon. The hardcover is thirty dollars, but the ebook is ten dollars. All right, Robert Cherry, author of the book "State of the Black Family." 60 years of tragedies and failures and new initiatives offering hope. Thanks so much for joining us on Black and Right. Uh, go out, folks, and get the book on Amazon. Uh, we'll be right back. Don't put your blame on me. This is Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right Radio on AM560, The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio with the troublemaker and the prosecutor, Verline Galloway and Dennis Reveletti. Uh As I told you guys, um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about this week, uh, as you saw what happened in New York, Alvin Bragg, uh, the DA, um, this case against Trump uh, about the you know Stormy Daniels and things of that nature. I wanted to bring in, I wanted to bring on somebody who's a friend of the show, friend of mine. Uh, I actually served with him. He was in the Senate in the Illinois House. I was in the uh, House of Representatives. Uh, at the time, uh, I wanted to bring on uh, GOP uh, representative Congressman Darren LaHood uh, because he's also a pro- former pro- federal prosecutor uh, to discuss that. And did you guys know that um, there's a uh, uh, the, the House Intel um, bipartisan group came up with a FISA Section 702 reform uh, because Darren Congressman LaHood was actually caught up in that? And we're going to talk about that. But uh, joining us by phone is Congressman Darren LaHood. Congressman, welcome back to Black and Right, sir. Hey, John. Great to be with you and your listeners uh, and, and your guests tonight also, man. Always always fun to be on your show. Yeah, Dennis Reveletti's in the house with us, too, as well. 
<laughs> Darren, good to hear hear your voice. How are you, sir? Hey, yeah, you, I'm doing well, Dennis. Uh, yeah, great to hear your voice too, man. Thanks for your service to our state, and uh, always appreciate your perspective uh, as a prosecutor too. Yeah, I, I know we don't have much time with you, so I'm going to get right to it. Congressman, uh, you're a former federal prosecutor. Um, I mean, you've you've been in Congress, you've been in the State House. Have you ever seen such a a a dereliction of their duty as to what Alvin Bragg is doing uh, as it relates to uh, a former sitting president? And 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 why is it important that we discuss this? Because when you look at because I I, I always tell people if they could do it to a former sitting president, they'll all they, they they'll easily do it to one of us, which you've actually been someone they've done it to as well. Um, what 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 happened here and and why isn't anybody doing anything about it with 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 what Alvin Bragg is doing well john i think that your your listeners need to know a couple things one is um in my experience as a former state and federal prosecutor for over 10 years i think it's really disturbing to see a, a politically motivated da in new york who was put in office partly by george soros i mean it's undisputed that george soros wanted to put somebody in there that would go after Trump. And, and so that's why he funded this guy. Number two, um, when, when this guy got elected as the DA in New York, uh, you know, he basically said, I'm not going to prosecute a number of violent crimes. He wasn't going to uh, prosecute prostitution, a number of other cases uh, in, in the New York DA's office. If, if Donald Trump's name was John Smith, there's no way that he'd be going after Donald Trump. This is a seven-year-old case. It's never been prosecuted in the history of the DA's office on uh, predicated on the facts that are here or uh, the particular case they're trying to put together. And so, I mean, it's just outrageous that this is being done. Um, but I guess when you think about what George Soros has done and other politically motivated prosecutors have done, I, I guess it shouldn't surprise us. But as you saw over the last 10 days here, John, uh, both Republicans and Democrats have been very dubious of bringing this case forth. And I think it's actually helped President Trump and giving him more support because people have sympathy that a D.A. could go rogue like this and go after somebody. Darren, do you see any uh, abuse, uh, uh, prosecutorial misconduct here? You know, I'm somebody who ran a grand jury before. I'm sure you pro- uh, uh, prosecuted in front of a grand jury. You know, you're supposed to present things and, and bring things forward. Uh, and, and my understanding was that they left out a, a bunch of evidence just to get the indictment. What, what are your thoughts on it? Well, as you know, John or uh, um, Dennis, you know you can indict a ham sandwich before a grand jury. So uh, <laughs> m- I, again, I hate to comment on something that I'm not looking at the facts and evidence. But the bottom line is, if there was an independent person in that grand jury, another set of eyes, kind of an ombudsman, I guarantee you they wouldn't going forth. Wouldn't be going forth. And as you've seen over the last week with a number of pieces of evidence that have come in publicly, uh, there's no way that they should be moving forth with an indictment. Let's also not forget, Dennis, this is a civil matter, a private contract that was agreed upon. Uh, We may not like the facts behind it, but it was settled by a civil matter. And to try to bring it predicated on a supposed campaign violation when there's evidence that disputes that, I think violates the oath that we had, Dennis, as prosecutors, uh, and what the responsibility of the grand jury is. Well, well oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, this is Verlon Galloway. The running narrative by the left is, even if you're president, everybody should be held accountable by the law. But we all know that Donald Trump is a lightning rod for the for the left. 
anything goes. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a lie. Earlier today, I was I tried to get a friend of mine, Ricky Hennon, to admit that Russian collusion was a lie. They won't even admit that. Uh, it, no matter what it is, it's fair game to use against Donald Trump. So this guy's just trying to make his bones. He want, he wants to be a hero of the left. That's all it is. Yeah. I, I, again, I go back to it's it's clearly politically motivated. Uh, it, you know, when you look at the people that um, helped elect him and get him in there, he's creating a case for his own benefit uh, here. And again, I think it's backfiring this uh, over this last week here. Um, and actually, I'm, I'll be very surprised if they move forward. Let's also not forget their number one witness is Michael Cohen, who is a convicted felon. He lied before Congress under oath. So that's what they're hanging their hat on. Yeah. Darren, I was wondering what your your thoughts were uh, in general with uh, how the, the prosecute the political not only the politicalization of the, the process, but um, just the fact that you, like you see all this evidence moving forward and and the fact that now Congress, three different chairmen have sent letters to the um, to Mr. Bragg because of the fact that Mr. Trump is a um, is a federal candidate. Can you expand a, a little bit on that? Of course, Dennis. I mean, this is unprecedented in the history of our democracy that, uh, uh, you know, potentially a prosecutor seeking an indictment of the leading uh, contender uh, in a presidential election that's less than, you know, uh, 20 months away. Uh, so, you know, that's significant. Um, we, we all believe in the real the rule of law. We all believe in our democracy. But, uh, you know, th- this this stretches the imagination of our system and frankly, I think is, is wrong. That's why you saw Jim Jordan and Brian Stile and Jim Comer um, and, and Mike Turner put forth this, this letter uh, raising concerns uh, about where Bragg is going with this uh, and the precedent this is going to set. Yeah. Congressman Hood, I, can, I, I know I got you for one more second. I'll make it brief because I want to talk about this section, uh, Pfizer Section 702, when we come back from break. Because I think it's important because I personally I think the Pfizer was was completely abused and this whole weaponization of government against its people it has to stop we got to get some adults in leadership to to, to 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 end and to end what's happening to um just ordinary everyday people not just donald trump is that okay yeah that'd be great John. All, right. all right we're talking with congressman darren LaHood from the 16th congressional district um we'll be right back this is Black and Right with John Anthony uh, on AM 560. The answer. Welcome back to Black and Right Radio on AM 560. The answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio with the troublemaker and the prosecutor, Dennis Rebelletti and Verlon Galloway. Before the break, we were talking to 16th Congressional can- uh, con- Congressman Darren LaHood. Um, Congressman, you know, I- I- I'm really upset about. FISA, I'm upset about the weaponization of the FBI, um, but because I, I I think back to the totality of the circumstance, I think back to how FISA, how they got this information uh, to begin this whole thing with, with Carter Page and things of that nature, right? Now, you came up on a list um, through this FISA um, inquiry. Uh, talk to us about that, and what are you guys trying to do to make sure that the abuse of FISA section... I believe 702 ends. Well, John, sure. I serve on the House Intelligence Committee, and we have jurisdiction over Department of Justice and CIA. And I'm glad Speaker McCarthy created the Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. 
Um, I've also, as I mentioned before, been a federal prosecutor, and I'm very familiar with the FISA uh, process. Um, FISA, as your listeners may know, John, stands for Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. It was created after 9-11 as a mechanism to spy on our adversaries overseas, to spy on terrorists overseas. It was never intended to be used on American citizens. And, and overall, about 95% of FISA does focus on uh, terrorists, uh, you know, uh, not in America. But unfortunately, there's been way too many incidents where um, they have focused on U.S. citizens and violated um, their civil liberties and privacy rights. So to, your, to the point that uh, you mentioned earlier, in, in this, this last December, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, their inspector general, released a semi-annual report on the procedures and misuses of FISA uh, back in 2019, and buried in this footnote, John, uh, of this, there was an intelligence analyst by the FBI uh, that repeatedly searched a U.S. member of Congress inappropriately. And, and it was my opinion that uh, it was me that that was being done. And I raised this with Director Ray of the FBI in a public setting. And, uh, and, and it highlighted uh, the abuse that has gone on for average citizens, but also with members of Congress. Now, the good thing is Director Ray apologized, um, and, and uh, you know, they've put in procedures and mechanisms to help change that. But to your point, John, it's done nothing, I think, to relieve uh, some of the concerns and challenges that the American people have. And so FISA has to be reauthorized by the end of this year. Uh, and, and I'm in charge of the working group on getting that done. Yes. But what we've said is we're going to need revisions. We're going to need changes to make sure these abuses, these violations don't happen again. Darren, I was wondering, as you serve on that committee, not only with FISA, um, what are some of the major concerns that you're seeing that you can share with us, be that border security? We've had balloons flying over the country. We see a lot of chaos happening uh, overseas. And, and so... What are the, some of the other uh, major security threats that that uh, this this country is facing right now? Well, I don't say this lightly, Dennis, uh, but China has a plan to replace the United States, and I'm not saying that to scare people, but it's real. They have a plan to replace the United States, and every single day they're working at it. They want to they want to replace us militarily, economically, technologically, diplomatically. The new Select Committee on China, again created by Speaker McCarthy, is the right approach. The thing that the CCP, the Communist Chinese Party, fears the most, Dennis, is bipartisan support against China. And so I'm actually on that committee, too, the select committee. Speaker McCarthy put me on there. So we're going to focus on two things, exposing the malign activities of the CCP uh, regarding the balloon, their espionage, their stealing of our intellectual property, what they're doing in the South China Sea. Frankly, what they're doing to support uh, Putin in, in Ukraine also is a big part of that, too. And then secondly, what can we do from an economic standpoint? Bring our supply chains back. Uh, decouple in many ways from companies that are doing business in China uh, and help with our like-minded allies in the Indo-Pacific region to isolate China. So that, that's a, a big set of um, challenges ahead of us, Dennis, but we got to do something to counteract China. Yeah. 
uh, Congressman Darren Hood, um, Rebel Eddie and I were just talking about how you're the closest congressman to both of us. I mean, think about Republican how, Congress, Republican Congress to both of us. Uh, I'm looking at the map right now. Right, I'm, you're literally uh, a couple of uh, ten ten miles away from me, your district, and that says a lot to about about how they did this mapping. But um, Congressman Hood, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I always, uh, every time I reach out, you always. Quickly respond, John. Tell John he does a great job for you. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'm so glad that you're there in Congress fighting for not just the the, 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 the people that you represent in the 16th, but all of us, all of us Americans. And um, I really appreciate that, sir. Thank you. Hey, thank you both for your friendship. Uh, look forward to coming on again soon, guys. Take thank care. you so have much. Congressman Darren LaHood from the 16th Congressional District. Uh, it's, it feels good to have people like that fighting for you, though. I'm not going to lie. Knowing that there are people like Congressman Darren LaHood fighting for us means a lot. We'll be right back. And now, more Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Switch your attitude. Go ahead and level up yourself. This that different latitude. Welcome back. Black and Right Radio on AM560 Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio. Um, Troublemaker. There was this great um, Samaritan Ministries that was there at the um, Black Conservative Summit. Um, they actually helped with health care. Look at this mug they gave me. That's a very nice mug. What's all that at the top? Um, that's the drinking lever. Oh, okay. Yeah. It looked like some new age. It was, it was pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, so, Revelate, really, really quickly, you know, when you think about how the this whole Russian collusion thing started, mm. what came out of the whole Russian collusion thing, explain to me how that's not fruit of the poisonous tree when it all started, it, it, was, it was gotten from um, basically a, a fake dossier. Well, the interesting part is it started out with the Democratic National Committee Correct. and uh, Hillary Clinton spending campaign funds to create a dossier to which was they knew was false that they then presented to a basically that FISA judge lied under oath in front of him. And that, got, that then got carte blanche to investigate a president, his inner circle and, and average uh, uh, citizens, as well as people like Congressman LaHood. I mean, what kind of government do we have? that we can't feel safe uh, from our government spying on, on us. If you were to think about it, that's more what you would think about Russia or China, right. not here in the United States of America. What difference at this point, <laughs> point does, does it, it make? make? All right, let's bring men on the street on. Mark, welcome, brother. I didn't see you today. Hey, I didn't Mark. see you today, Mark. Well, I was there yesterday. I had to work today. Hey, I'm coming in hot. I got to say that. Oh. But the conference was great. I got to see Larry Oliver and... Uh, uh, Ellen West and uh, Stephanie Trussell was great on her panel last night. So it was a great event. I hope they have it all live streamed. Do you know? It, can we read? I, I don't it? think it's going to be. I think they were they were um they were taping it though. So I think they'll, that that will become available. Yeah, yeah. Because you missed you missed my panel, so I'm upset, Matt Mark. That's okay though. Oh my God, I got I I got to see it. Is there anybody taping it? Can we? No. How can I find it? Okay. I don't know. Maybe Stephanie. I don't know. But go ahead. Okay. All right. Hey, uh, I just followed Dennis back on Twitter. I know he was bugging me about that. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. I saw that. On Twitter. I'm going to see him all the time. Hey, a couple other quick announcements. Hey, Darren LaHood was a great guest just now. 
two weeks ago, he gave me a tour of the uh, a group of us during CPAC, and he gave us a tour with one of his guys in the Capitol, and we were standing in the rotunda, and Kevin McCarthy walked through, and he yelled over, he goes, hey, Kevin, these Chicago people want to get some selfies with you. And it was just incredible. So Dennis LaHood and, and, and Mary Miller are two big congressmen down there. Hey, a couple quick announcements. We've got this rally tomorrow at noon in Oak Brook on 83 and Cermak supporting President Trump. President Trump is speaking right now in Waco. So a lot of my friends are down there. And also Monday night, Darren LaHood is speaking with the Turning Point Group at University of Chicago. I'm trying to find the link. Yeah. So I wanted to give you a quick man on the street report because there's a lot going on. You guys are doing great. I'm glad to hear you guys, and, and I hate a Verlon, too. So, <laughs> hey, what's going on? I'm chopped liver. Okay, it's all right. Hey, he wasn't a one-trick pony today, though. <laughs> no, you he can't wasn't. call him that today, uh, Verlon. See, he's still a little miffed at me about that. Yeah. I know you, you're stepping <laughs> it up, brother. <laughs> Thank you so much, I know so we much, can talk Brian. about crime all day. I mean, this, <laughs> that's this, true. Crime in Chicago, so that's we'll true. talk about that next time. Thank all you right. so much, Mark. Thanks for joining us, man. <laughs> guys, man... I guess I forgot. I'm only did. I only did an hour, but that it's already six o'clock. I'm already, trying, man. Already, hey. man. We got one more hour, guys. Share the link. Let's talk. Let's show. have a discussion. Uh, I'm gonna have a funny story bottom of the hour in, in, in the next hour. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. You've tuned into Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. I'm coming in hot. Welcome back. Hour 3, Black and Right Radio on AM560, The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in studio with the troublemaker, Verlon Galloway, who, guys, we created a shirt called Troublemaker in the Room. Red. <laughs> it's red and black, too. He, he won't let it go. Red. He's trying to stop it, George. <laughs> George, he should have stopped it. He's trying to stop. He's trying to push buttons to turn it off. <laughs> Come on, you, can't, you can't stop it. I know I can't stop it, but I tried. George, he you really he, thought you were going to stop that? I'm trying. Uh, we're joined by the prosecutor. Prosecutor, I'm going to put a shirt up there for you, too. Well, I appreciate um, that. Yeah, I, I really am, man. Um, it's, it's time to, to start. So many people have been asking me about my hoodies, my T-shirts. So it's like, why not just go ahead and start doing it? So you want to go cop a shirt, head over to Black and Right Facebook, Twitter, it's on there. There's a link on there. You can click it. And um, I got one sh- one hat that says "Nope." It's about the Second Amendment. You know, uh, I got sh- another T-shirt that says "Nope." And the troublemaker in the room. We even got one Phil from Blue Island. Conservatives just don't understand. Star is born. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, John, you saw you talked about "Nope." You saw that the uh, Florida General Assembly move is uh, passed uh, constitutional carry. Oh, nice. The state of Florida, so you don't need any reciprocity. You don't need any. Uh, uh, cards or anything like that. So, so they just uh, follow the Constitution, basically, right? Well, they're following oh, the yeah. Second Amendment, but again, you know, people up here were tweeting about it in Illinois because that's a very dangerous thing, yeah. the Constitution. So, because we only see things through the eyes of Illinoisans and not through how the other rest of the country is operating, right? Well, the the same talking points that we that we dealt with when we when I wrote the concealed carry law 
is the same thing they're talking about. It's going to become the Wild West. Oh, my God, everybody will be shooting one another that have all these legal firearms. As we know, it's the criminals that are the ones shooting yeah. everyone. But it's the same thing. They're following the Constitution. It's a red state. Uh, they believe in the Constitution, and they don't, they're not afraid of it like we are here how, up in Illinois. How does what they do there affect here? It doesn't affect here. That's in there. That, well, that's, it can if it's if it's if it's challenged in the court system, uh, especially if it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, it can it can then affect the rest of the country. Well, it That's matters not- here, Verlon, because if you want to scare people, then you say, "See what they're doing in Florida? What a terrible place that is!" Right. And and, and luckily we have this uh, this left wing progressive agenda that we're going to continue stalk, right stalking all the way as far left as we can. And thank God we're not Florida. So, but, but, but but how is it progressive when they take us back? And the, the the leftist, the Democrat Party believe that they're so progressive, but look at how their policies are affecting communities. It's it's not it's not moving anything for it. It's taking us back. Tell me how. You, tell me how, where, where am I wrong? You're being too nuanced about it. I'm going to keep it simple for simple man. Let stupid people follow stupid policies. I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. But it affects I'm, us. What affects it affects us because these regressives, I don't call them progressives. That's they, because you live in Illinois. Right. That's why it affects you. Oh, oh, it doesn't you know affect what? me. Shut up. I hate you. <laughs> See, this, but this, you this. come to Illinois to go on a radio yeah. show. And work. How about that? <laughs> hey, right. you get double and tax. work. And, right. Do you get, is there a double taxation on you for working yeah. in Illinois and then living yep. in Indiana? Yep. Look pay, at that. I, I'm sure Brandon Johnson would tax you if he could, if for he sure. If he could, yeah. he sure. Uh, Community tax or, or however. The Chicago he try- City, then he wants to charge a, uh, an income tax. Yes, and then Mary Flowers, if she ever gets her a state bank, Dennis, wasn't that her bill? The state bank. Yeah, she want to have a state bank because yeah. that makes a lot of sense. The, want- state, oh, the state is so yeah. good at so many things. You know, we can't take care of. Uh, we had talked about off air with Verlon about how DCFS is and, and right. people that are wards of the state, and there's, that's still a tragedy. That's what's happening to all those kids and those families. <clears throat> And instead of that, we're worried about state banks and nonsensical right. policies. Right. Per- perfect segue. I got to call out somebody, somebody that was listening to the show. Uh-oh. But uh, change the station. Hopefully she changed back because we were talking about race. No, she said racism. Ra- I believe she meant the same thing. She didn't know how to. Uh, Wrong. I-, I don't think she knew how to. George the took the call. Between- George told me what she said. The difference between race and racism. Wrong. Just because you were talking about. <laughs> The Black Summit and how the black family is affected and, and is ailed in certain ways, I, I, that's not racism and that's not pushing race either. It's just talking about the state of being that black people are in. It's, uh, a lot of black people are in. There's nothing wrong with talking about that. What Do you want things to stay the same or change? Just like Dennis was uh, just saying about you know, having to prosecute a whole family of gangs, like I was just talking about. I know, I know that Will County family. He's talking about too. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and like, I know and, you do. There's two of them. And like yeah. I was talking about a, a child growing up in a, a a home with the parents abusing drugs, and now they got to go out on the street and either turn tricks, sell dope, or rob people just to survive. Do they have to, or do they choose Wrong. to? If you are 10, 11, 12 years old, coming of age, and you are starving. Uh-huh. Remember, uh-huh. not getting three square meal, meals a day, two, like a lot of other people, they can't phantom starving every day. Yeah, you're going to go out and do something. A, a gang is going to take you in as a family, help you eat. That means something. Not all of them. <clears throat> not all, um, but but you got to, they, they going to give to get. 
Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And just like so the there are no no other alternatives. Okay. Because, 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 wait, time out. Because Larry Elder, he talked about his father being kicked because because I, I think it's a generational thing. I think it's how we've coddled and how we've and and, and what we've created the, the monster culture that we've created today. Because back then, those people, I remember my grandfather. My grandfather had a sixth grade education, eighth grade, sixth or eighth grade education, and yet he worked his butt off. Young Larry Elder's father was kicked out of his house in Georgia, Georgia. Back what in, age? What age? Um, um, th- he was thirteen years old. Back in, back in, um, uh, right before the, um, uh, the, the Great Depression and all that. Think about that. You're in Georgia, a black man, thirteen or a black kid, thirteen years old, and they were today. They were in a certain position. These kids it's had the culture. They, they have everything opened up. They could only he could only do so much at that age. You got to remember something. At, what can you do at 10, 11, 12, 13 here in the city? Can't work. There's not too much hustling you can do except like, for sell dope. I'm telling you. But you're doing like the you're doing what the left does. You take those microscopic cases because it, it's not something that's that's on the grand scheme that you this is say, ha- not widespread. No, no, it's not widespread. But see, that, you well, go, see, that's the left. But what no, what the left does is they they take these small cases. Trust me, I've I've been in committee meetings with them when they do this type of stuff. They take these one-off cases. I'm using your words. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I'm because <laughs> I'm going to respond in a minute. I know you are, but they take these one-off cases, and then it, it has to it has to apply John, for is, everybody. Is that the case where the governor was talking about you know the person in the Cook County Jail that stole the Reese's yes. pieces by uh, uh, yeah. you know? So here we are. Oh, everybody in jail. Is sitting here on a on a misdemeanor retail theft, and then you you spin the narrative and you continue to go look forward. At, he, he, wait, wait, he, he, look at him. I'm, I'm counting on my fingers. This is my, down I'm counting on my fingers. This is my CPS education. Think, <laughs> think back to before Oprah exposed all of this. You got to remember, she was the groundbreaker when when it came to hoarding, when it came to uh, uh, drug addicted families. When you when the first person let her people in and show them the truth before the rappers, before the rappers, she shined a light on this. You got, it was widespread, the drug abuse, the kids starving. Uh, it was horrible when, when I seen it on TV. You talking about in the white community though, in the right? Black community. Because it's, 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 it's a greater effect in the white community than the black community. You do realize that though, I'm right? I'm talking about back in 80, 90, when she shined a light on all of it. And we seen the truth of what was going on in the black community, we it, people turned a blind eye, like Debbie and a lot of other people that only want to talk about. But we don't know. Politics. We don't know what who Debbie is, what she really. Well, she, she shouldn't in, have so. mentioned it. If, if, you know, she shouldn't have mentioned it because you know that's going to make me go to that next level. Yeah. We have to talk about these things right. because I don't care how many food stamps you throw at it. I don't care how much housing you give people. If that mother and father is addicted to dope, them kids are going to suffer. Yeah, but here's the deal. Did you guys know? I'm kind of, I'm kind of flipping. I'm switching. Did you guys see the House of Representatives about what voted for a parental bill of rights? Yeah, yeah. Not one Democrat mm-hmm. voted for it because they did they they did what I call they desantized the bill. Basically, said something was in it that wasn't in it. I, I want to play this real. It's two minutes. I don't know if I'm going to play it all. But Kevin McCarthy speaking about the parental bills bill of rights. We shouldn't have to pass something called the parental bill of rights that should not ever be legislation 
But it's, it's unfortunate that uh, I guess well, I'll, I'll pray when we come back from the break. I didn't realize we count down. <laughs> but but I'll pray I'll pray when we come back from the break because that's something we should never. We already have. Guess what? Government, get the hell out of my kid's life. I'm so sick and tired of this government thinking, c- causing that chasm between parent and child. It's happening. I know it's personally happened to me with one of my children. And it's, I almost said it. We'll be right back. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. We now return to Black and White on AM560. The answer. Here's John Anthony. Go ahead. Go ahead. Every time I hear this song, I think about George Michaels. <laughs> what you say? You what? Oh. <laughs> I can't hear you. I he cut you off. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Uh, I had a surprise for you if you didn't show up. What was that? At the end of the Ooh. show, I had a surprise George Michael song okay. for you. George Michael or Prince? Oh, Prince, man. I'm a Prince fan. Uh, wait. I'm Prince. George Prince over George Michael? I love Prince over Michael Jackson. Uh, that's a, oh, that's another good one, man. Musically gifted, yeah. Trump, um, Prince destroyed. Michael yeah. is just a yeah, pure I entertainer. That one. Right. Yeah. Michael is just a pure entertainer, but Prince, Prince is a bad. I'm purple, baby. I would go with you with that. All right. Uh, you, you ever seen the Purple Experience? No. Uh, so they perform down in Springfield. Uh, they and they go all around the country performing. It's it's actually the doctor. Remember the doctor and Prince's? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. He put this group together. This little dude who lo- he looks just like Prince, all four foot ten or four foot whatever. Yeah, four foot two, whatever. Because <laughs> you know, Prince was a little dude. Mm-hmm. This dude does everything: the guitar, the guitar, mm. the splits, everything. Just like looks just like Prince. The Purple Experience. If they ever back here in Chicago, I remember Alicia Benford when she was running for state rep. She tried to get them to come do a fundraiser for her. Mm. And um, dude, you got to look up the Purple Experience. They are amazing, man. Okay. Yeah, but but yeah, let's go back to the phone lines. Uh oh, the Phil from Blue Island then call today. Kelvin from Springfield. What's up, Kel? Hey, John. How you doing? I'm Kelvin doing good. Jacob. Prosecutor, how you guys doing? How you doing? How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Doing good. You know, every time we get into these racial discussions, you know, I kind of cringe. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it, it, we start talking as if it's somebody else's responsibility to step in our community. and Come on, it. man. And it's irritating, you know. And I just got two quick points here. You know, when you look at the left, and every organization, as an auditor, when I hear Christian, black, gay, whatever, we're doing this for certain people, I audit your books deeper, okay? I dig in twice as deep <laughs> because of all the fraud that I see in the name of blacks, now these, these, these boxes that we check, right. okay? So when you, when you start talking about the family and the, and the children that's homeless, you know, you, 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 you got to look at that community. And every time I hear the word underserved, I go, underserved to me equal incompetent auditor. I mean, uh, alderman, incompetent state rep, incompetent mayor. You see what I'm saying? You got political people keeping these communities trapped into this, this isolation so they can run the money through those communities because they can't cut checks directly to themselves. <sighs> so if America can hold Trump accountable because he told them people to do January 6th, then 
What does it say about the left? Are they telling these people to stay in poverty? Are they telling these yes. people to rob? Are they telling these people to not go to school? You hey, know? Hey, Kevin, let me stop you right there. You know how they're doing it? Through policy. This is yeah. why I harp on policy so much on this show, because it's the policies of the left where they think they don't think they're helping. They know that their policies are destructive. They need yeah. destruction. They want destruction because it keeps them in power mm-hmm. because it continues to feed that trial. That's why mm-hmm. they understand. They know exactly what they're doing, brother. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kelvin. <laughs> yep, yep. No, I agree with you 100% because those policies, look, every assistance program that's out there, if they're successful, they're working themselves to unemployment, to me. Yeah. Because if the housing authority houses people, then we won't need the housing authority. Right. Okay. So when you start looking at that, so I, I ask, you know, when we start having these racial discussions and start talking about black, white things about that, let's not forget that we are a constitutional republic and then let's follow the money. Yeah. Pull the campaign finances of the left. You'll get a big surprise. I mean, we got so many people. I'll say this and I'll stop. We got poverty that's entitled. Yep. I called a church the other day to say, hey, look, I got some clothing that I want to give. You know, and they said, we don't take clothing. What? <laughs> wow. You're a church. The goodwill up here is having a 30% off sale. Oh, Come on now. Yeah, See, we, you, you, we, 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 we poverty pimping and we're giving the people in poverty entitlement so they can yell at other communities, other people, other races and say, it's your fault that I'm like this. And I think we that's just. That's why I love you, Kelvin. Ke- that's Ke- why I love you, Kelvin. Kelvin, if they, Kelvin. if they, Kelvin, if they, if they follow the money, half the senators and half the congressmen will be in jail because how do you make. Not even $200,000 a year, but you're a millionaire within yeah. two years. If yep. they follow the money, a lot of people will be locked up. That's just in Congress. Yeah. You know what? How about let's do forensic audits throughout, throughout, throughout yeah. our budgeting? Throughout. Any, any, any government entity should have a, a, a forensic audit done. On the finances. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dennis. We talked about that in the General Assembly. Did we not, yeah, John? We in did. our caucus. And we yes. did a statewide forensic audit. But I, I appreciate uh, Calvin's point about the underserved. Oh, the Democrats have run the city of Chicago for 100 years. All the aldermen, except for once or twice, there's a Republican alderman. Look at the look at Cook County. Who's underserved? You're underserving the population. Why can't you get it right? You have 40 Republicans in, in the House. You, you have, what is it, 78 State reps, a lot of them from Chicago. Why aren't you fixing the problem? Yes. Get it done. Stop. And what I don't like to hear is every time we talk about race, we talk about the black race. Why doesn't anybody talk about the successful black men and women who build our communities, who raise their children right, who do all the right things, but we always make a general assumption in the wrong direction. And so there aren't always underserved people. There are people who have pulled themselves up from difficult circumstances and have been successful. Why can't we follow their leads? When is that ever going to happen? That's t- that's what you're talking about, Calvin. And Kevin, before and you I appreciate and that. And Kevin, before you say something, did you guys see Jamal Green's rant on Instagram? Yeah. He uh, went uh, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I wanted to post a clip. Remember when we went down all the elected officials in the state of Illinois? Yep. He did the same thing. Yeah. He went down the list. He said, so tell me how we're suffering when we get all this black leadership and we're still suffering, we're still talking about the same problems twenty third that happened 20, 30 years ago. That's true. There's no solvency. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. Oh, 
Yeah, and it, this brings a point because when you guys were mentioning auditors, when I interviewed to to take over uh, Tim Butler's seat, mm-hmm. I, I'm bringing you know talent, degrees, and the weight of about 15 to 16 internal auditors. My entire staff would probably be auditors. Wow. Okay, that's who I go to, and they did not want that. They didn't want the auditors. They wanted someone who can reach across the aisle. Wow. And I said. You want this guy to reach across the aisle in a supermajority. Now, when I talk about audits, and you know, I probably put a target on my back, but you know me, I don't care. <laughs> I have been collecting the financial records of every supportive service that targets the black community. Wow. From the NAACP to the Urban League to Faith Coalition of the Common Good to all of If you say you're coming to serve my community, I got your 990 on file, and I'm looking at it. Okay. I look at the alderman here in Springfield and it's, you know, a lot of this, they think the culture is let me run for personal gain so I can make money off this community. And then, you know, give you guys a a book bag and a party. And then next thing you know, (laughs) they got 13 houses and you still broke. So at some point, man, some point it has to stop to say, okay, let's hold these people accountable. If you want the receipts, Call me. I got him. Hey, Kelvin. You Kelvin, you, 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 I got to stop you because you mentioned the NAACP. Larry Elder mm-hmm. talked about this in his speech. They just had their conference, right? Mm-hmm. He said their top four, go, top four things, major issues is, is this, that they're going to tackle in the upcoming year. Listen to this. Reproductive rights. Oh, God. Student debt relief. Larry Elder broke that down and said, well, that's going to affect middle America, which is mostly white. So tell me how that affects the black community. He then says voter suppression. Show me where's where's show me voter suppression. Then he said the end one, the last one was police brutality. Mm-hmm. Those are the four major issues that the NAACP wants to tackle in the upcoming year. Where's right. that helping the black community? Name the third Tell one. me. Name me the third one. Voter suppression. You know what? I had a conversation with this uh, with my brother, and he said, "Listen, you see things from an urban view because you know we have everything at our fingertips. You're not looking at it from a black rural." area perspective they might have to travel so many miles to get to a voting place so that's what they mean by voter suppression depending on your area depending on where you live yeah have you guys ever looked at the business structure of the NAACP no we got 20 seconds go ahead 20 seconds where where, where can we find it uh it's guidestar uh guidestar.org yeah okay i'll look it up kevin pull it up Kevin, we got to go to break, but thanks so much for joining us. Go get that T-shirt, Kevin. Go to that merch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, I was getting, I'm going to get that T-shirt and hoodie, man. Hey, Let's thanks, guys. Appreciate thank take you, it Kelvin. easy, man. Thanks, Kelvin. Uh, Terry, I'm going to take you when we get back for break. Um, man, I, I got pumped up. We'll be right back. It's the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right with John Anthony on AM 560, The Answer. Oh, yes! Oh, God. I'm vomiting in my mouth. I'm holding my vomit in my mouth. (laughs) Oh, that was great. Dude, you look, uh, I ain't gonna say what that facial expression you just had on your face. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. That, That was called ecstasy. Oh, you man. ain't black. <laughs> That's true. That is so true, Off Daddy. Welcome back to Black and Right. I'm your host, John Anthony, live in the studio with the Troublemaker. 
uh, Verlon Galloway and the prosecutor, Dennis Rebelletti. Let's go to Terry before our next guest comes on the line. Terry from Rogers Park, thanks so much for holding. You there, Terry? You were you were talking uh, before about kids not getting food. Uh, uh, aren't most uh, poor people, even if they're drug addicts, uh, getting food stamps uh, that they can feed their children with? Yeah, and, and 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 like I was trying to say before, those drug addict parents sell the food stamps. Back in the day, they had paper food stamps. They sold them, or and then they sell the EBT. They go, they find somebody that wants to buy it, go to the store, and people buy food. And they swipe the card. So those drug addict people, they sell the stamps for money so they can buy drugs. That definitely happens. I know that. I know that for a fact. That actually happens. So anything else, Terry? Well, something should be done about that kind of thing, don't you think? It, it should. <laughs> it should. <laughs> really should. Maybe, right. You know what? You know work, what I think? Work on it. I think, I, think people, I think people that receive all those benefits from the government should be drug tested. Let me say this, yeah. John. Uh, you racist. Terry, here, <laughs> you know what? Uh, the, the progressives, as John says, regressives, they talk about treatment. They talk about help for all these folks who need it. And where is it at? Mm. Underserved communities don't get help. People with mental health and substance abuse issues not getting help. But we would love to have treatment on demand, but somebody is stopping it. If we can only stop them, we could get this let, done. Let me ask all of you one question. Before Illinois passed this law last year, as far as not being drug tested to get a job, you used to be drug tested to get a job. Why can't you take a drop to receive government benefits? That th- Those bills were filed before, John. Yes. And if you file that bill, what, what do they say about yeah, you? Well, uh, you remember our guy from um, Granite City, right? Um, Dwight K., he filed that bill. Right. <laughs> he, he got called racist. That's exactly what happened. Insane. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for joining, for calling us, Terry. Uh, dude, it's it's what's happening to this country right now. Insanity. Man? Where are the adults? Where are the people who can actually, you know, come up with something that that that's not as outlandish and outrageous? I'm gonna tell you something. The Bible did say. What's that? And I'm not a Bible. Oh, you thumper. read the Bible? Hey, I know this one verse. The child shall lead men. Uh oh, Valon. Look at Valon, the Bible scholar now. <laughs> when did you become a Bible scholar? Hey, when, when it's truth in a statement, I will cop to it. <laughs> All right. You know, um, uh, my good friend, I'll just call him J.D. Uh, he's a political operative out there in, in the state of Illinois. Uh, Rebelletti, if I said his name, I'll tell you during the break who it is, uh, reached out to me and said, hey, I got a candidate I want you to interview. Um, she's running for um, mayor of um, Palos Park. And she's um, the most conservative candidate that's running for mayor of, uh, of Palos Park. And uh, some of the things that happened to her, I want to play, before I bring her on, I want to play this video. Now, this was at a board meeting in Palos. I want you to listen to what one of the, the I guess, I, I don't know what they call themselves, aldermen or, or trustees, or I don't know what, what they call themselves. But I want you to hear um, this conversation and then we're going to bring her on and talk about why she's running for office. Take a listen. To cast dispersions on someone's good name and character. And I've heard some character assassination going on in here this evening under the guise of, oh, well, this is just our position. Yeah, okay. And then privilege. When a black man makes a facial expression, 
and someone has the audacity in a public forum to ask him to explain himself. No, no, it ain't that it ain't that kind of party, people. It's not. And the children and the children are still talking out of turn. When you don't have anything important to say, then you make noise. And so, mayor and council. When did government officials believe and think that they are authoritative towards the people that they're supposed to be serving? Help me understand this. I don't. All, you know, all I know is uh, the guy that got on TV, I can't think of his name. He said, uh, you, me, Dennis, we don't got no swag. Who said that? You, you, you all didn't hear they were playing it on Newsmax all day. The, we were the, on The it? congressman. No. Oh. They, no, they didn't say me. Oh. You said Republican. <laughs> okay. Well, wait, hold on. Let, let me bring on because we got to go to break. Let me bring okay. on. But joining us to discuss this and more is Ronette McCarthy. She's a candidate. Uh, yeah, yeah. Play, play the audio. Let's let's hear what you get. No, Robert, I just realized something. Yeah, Republicans ain't got no swag. That's why they want to ban, ban TikTok. <laughs> oh, I love it. You know, uh, Miss McCarthy, I watched the video. I watched the videos of the hearing and the council meeting. Uh, I, I think the ending of that February twenty fifth meeting is just appalling. The way those residents were uh, I, I, not treated, mistreated. Um, why were you, when we come back from break, I want you to answer this question. Why were you attacked at the council meeting? And we, I got a couple more questions, but I think Ronette McCarthy, who's running for Palos Park mayor, uh, it's going to be a great conversation. We'll be right back. Let's get to him, baby girl. Hey, Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here's John Anthony. To Black and White Radio on AM560 The Answer. I'm your host, John Anthony. Uh, we got a hold on the line, candidate for Palos Park Mayor, uh, Ronette McCarthy. Um, Ronette, I, there's a couple of questions I, w- I want you to talk about. I want you to answer. Uh, why were you attacked at the council meeting? And more importantly, as you were being attacked by, I believe his name was Commissioner Reed, why do you think your opponent or the current mayor didn't intervene? Why did, why did they all just sit Sit, they, why did they all just stand by idly? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks. First off, I want to say thank you for having me on. Uh, great to be here with you tonight. Thank the you. Uh, <laughs> the um, why, your first question, why was I attacked? You know, I thought about it, and I think uh, your listeners and you heard there was a word that Commissioner Reed used when he began his diatribe uh, towards me, and he used the word privilege. Oh. And, you know, I didn't even get up. I didn't even get my name and address out. You know, it's, it's common practice when you stand up to make a public comment at a board meeting. You state your name, Ronette McCarthy, and your address. I don't even think I was at my address before Commissioner Reed was shaking his head and rolling his eyes at me. Wow. To which, after I got done with my address, I politely, you know, questioned and said, you know, I certainly hope I didn't say anything wrong, Commissioner Reed. And went on about, you know, the questions I was there to ask. It wasn't until the board was to deliberate that when the residents had no more voice at that point, because it was just up to the board to talk, that Commissioner Reed launched into his, you know, diatribe there, almost uh, a scolding, you know, not only to myself, but all the other residents that were there. 
Uh, it was deplorable. It's embar- it's embarrassing for me to be here talking to you about it. Yeah, and this was a plan. Um, this was a plan commission hearing, right? And this was about. No, uh, this was. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It was a board meeting. It was a full council meeting. Okay. So it okay. was the the full board. Okay. But that's a separate issue where it was a planning commission. It was about some parking lot being used. Um, correct. Correct. There was a there was a plan commission meeting. So you know the. The general basis of these meetings, and there was about five of them since October of 2022, um, there's a restaurant in our town that's looking to expand its parking lot. So there's been two planning commission meetings and then a couple full board, the the mayor, the, the village clerk, and the four commissioners meetings. And this was the last um, board meeting where the board itself, the mayor and the four sitting commissioners, were going to vote to accept the um, petitioner's plan to increase their parking lot size or not. Mm. So the residents were all there yet again. Um, We've been there at every meeting, every plan meeting. We had about 70 plus in attendance at this meeting um, to speak their mind in regards to whether that parking lot should be expanded or not. You know, the majority were against it. There were some people that spoke for it as well. Um, but that was the the nature of this February. Right, but w- w- why is there such disrespect and disdain from the current village council toward residents in Palos Park? Yeah, um, that is something that all of us are questioning, and that is exactly why I'm running. Um, there's been a history, unfortunately, of residents not feeling like they have a voice, not able to speak, that they've been silenced, um, that the commissioners um, are, you know, the ones that think they hold the knowledge that their rights um, you know, there's there's chuckles by another commissioner to the residents. Um, as I've been telling people, like the democracy just isn't there any longer um, at certain meetings like this. It's just the if if those of us who are you know strong enough to get up there and speak our views are silenced in such a way, what is it going to do for someone who isn't as strong, who isn't as confident in what it is that they're going to say? Wow, you know. I stood up and spoke. Um, I was there to question a FOIA that I had submitted. I had submitted a FOIA request. I wanted to bring those um, questions to light again. And, you know, you can hear the treatment that I got. Um, Commissioner Reed calling me privileged, saying that I had, you know. And you're not uh, all white, neither. <laughs> I am problem. not. That's yeah. what I'm not. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm going to assume uh, Commissioner Reed probably thought I was, but I'm first generation born here. Yeah. Um, I am a Latina woman born and raised, surrounded by my father's family. We all lived in the same small town growing up. Um, my father's one of 21 living. Um, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of um, Mexican uh, uh, family members in the town I grew up in, and that was the culture that, you know, positioned the first 18 years of my life and still to this day. So to be questioned in that manner um, as a minority, you know, woman myself um, was quite appalling. And, you know, really so what it's done is it's angered me and so many others in the town. So, Miss McCarthy, you pay a lot in property taxes in Palos Park? We pay our, yes, our, we are a property tax-based uh, community as well, sir. So, right. you know, so we don't have a lot of businesses out here. I see. So you have a lot of residential. You have commissioners right. and a mayor who are looking down upon their residents as as somehow they are our betters, right? And so you pay a ton in property taxes. Your neighbors are paying a lot in property taxes, and you're going to be lectured on whatever. I don't even know what privilege means. I I guess I'm white, so (laughs) I was told I was privileged, but 
I, I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. So you're privileged to come before them? Are you privileged to add, file a FOIA? You're, you're privileged to wonder what your government is doing? Is that what the privilege he was talking about? And, and here, help me more importantly, what, is, what are you going to do when you become mayor? Because I think it's important for people to hear that. Correct. Absolutely. So I can only assume, you know, what he meant by using that word privileged. Um, my interpretation of it and how I felt about it is that, you know, who, who am I to kind of come up there and be able to, to ask him? But it must be because of my privilege that I was able to do that. Um, but again, I only said my name and address and asked him if anything was wrong uh, very politely. Yeah. Um, what am I going to do? We're all going to have a voice again. Um, I am a leader within our community. I've been a leader for a long time in many different organizations. And I have always led by two beliefs. You put your heart first, and my heart is with our village of Palos Park. Mm. And you lead by your voice. And you don't just tell someone or residents that these are the things that you can do with us or we need help here. It's really opening yourself up and showing them the way to help. It's showing them how to have their voice. It's showing them what they can do and what impact they can have on the community. Ms. McCarthy, that's how I'm, I lead I'm, our I'm, other Ms. organizations. McCarthy, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to interrupt you. We've got 30 seconds. I want you to give people sure. where they can find you, social media, anything, that yeah. website, thing, things of that nature. Sure. So my website is our, O-U-R, paylospark.com. Um, really on quickly. Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Ronette McCarthy for Mayor of Palos Park. It's right. Facebook and it reminds me of that ha- that Hamlet, uh, the life of Hamlet. Something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Only in this case, it's Palos Park. Thanks so much for joining us, Miss McCarthy. Go win. We'll be right back. Back to Black and Right with John Anthony on AM560, The Answer. Welcome back to Black and Right. Let's go straight to the phone lines. Uh, you guys got about 30 seconds each. Eduardo, go ahead. What's going on, brother? Good to see you today. Yeah, it was good to see you. Yeah, uh, I wanted to bring up something here. Uh, TB and children and these mammals that are dying in the ocean, uh, they're being spread by bird flu. And so the government needs to be ahead of this. Uh, as far as regulation, um, we need better health care. That's what needs to happen. All right. Thank you, Eduardo. Thanks for okay. calling us, brother. Appreciate it. Let's go to David from Lansing. Thanks for holding. you got 30 seconds. Hi, guys. Uh, about a half hour ago, you had a caller, Kevin, I think, talking Kevin. about the money, follow the money. He's right. Uh, to solve this local problem, um, I regret to say that we have to find the Soros connection, the Soros to the district attorney connection, the money trail, to make that house of cards fall and to reduce crime in, in Chicago. And I thank you for your uh, All right. thanks for your time, guys. Thank you. Take so it much. easy, Dave. Thank you so much, David. You know, uh, when I filled in for Dan Prof, um, Amy and I were talking about, and this guy, John from Maldon, M- 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 I, know, I heard, Maldon I heard. called him, and we were talking about Kamala Harris. I was with some Jamaicans today, for, turns out, who told me, don't call me African-American, don't call me black. I'm Jamaican. Right, uh, and that was the point I was trying to make. Uh, but Vodibakum, 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 pastor, uh, he says it perfectly. George, uh, should I play it now or wait? Yeah, let's play it now because I want to just yeah, let's play it now. Vodi explains it perfectly. He p- explains it perfectly. Go ahead, Hoff Daddy. There have been several iterations: colored, Negro, Black, Afro American. We have to define ourselves as a group. We have to hyphenize ourselves. The African American one is just 
horrible. We're inconsistent with it. For example, if somebody comes from Morocco or from Libya, we don't call them an African-American. We're only talking about people from sub-Saharan Africa. Okay, fine. Charlize Theron is South African. No, because she's white, but she's from Africa. Yeah, but her ancestors are not from there. Three, four, five generations of them are. No, no, African-American, that, that's a term that we use for individuals of African descent who survived slavery. Okay, then Obama was not our first African-American president because Ooh. his father was a Kenyan Ouch. and they were not a product of slavery. It just breaks down. It just doesn't work. I don't want to be hyphenated. I don't want to be hyphenated. I don't need to be hyphenated. Ouch. There it is, Flan. I need I need feel for this. Yeah, there it is. Too late. <laughs> we 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 getting ready to go. I know. Uh, I, I want to play. You know, George. I want to play my outro with my kids. Uh, I think that's the six minute ninety four second. I got it. Um, but yeah, let me know when we get down to thirty seconds, George. I want to play it. But um, yeah, okay. But uh, guys, thanks so much, Vlon. Thanks so much for filling in. You got it, man. Um, Dennis, thanks so much for coming in and, thanks, and helping Vlon, making them sound good. And yes, Hawk yes, Daddy, you know, you make us all sound good, and you always. Uh, uh, criticizing I'm too us, <laughs> but you give us great constructive criticism, Huff Daddy, and, and you know I always love it when you're in here. Um, with that, guys, next week we're gonna do. Any, if you're running for our school board, call in. I'm not take. Just call in. That's all the show is gonna be about. You, if you're running for school board, you're running for mayor, you're running for alderman, call into the show and we'll take your call. With that, that's all for today, folks. Bye. Kirsten, say bye. Bye. Don't put your blame on me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 